Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Welcome in, baseball fans. Of course, this is Red Sox Beat. As always, my name is Jared Scali. I'm joined again alongside Jess Thomas for a second episode in a row. Nate, again, previous engagements, could not join us this week. Did not join you last week. Plenty of stuff to talk about. We'll get to that in just a minute. Before I, before I do that, I want to get you guys to remember, and I'm going to read this verbatim so I don't mess it up. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. Yes, it is. After months of anticipation and hard work, CNS Radio is proud to announce the release of our new mobile app. Now you can enjoy all of our favorite Boston sports podcasts, sports podcasts, including myself, from one place on your iPhone. You can either go to cnsradio.com backslash iOS free, and of course, all of us lovely Android users, you can go to cnsradio.com backslash Android. With this exciting news comes an exciting contest for our loyal listeners. CNS Radio is giving away two tickets to a Celtics game to a lucky fan. The best part is entering the contest is very easy. All you have to do is like CNS Radio on Facebook, download our new app, then give it a rating and review on iTunes. It's really that simple. It's a great product. I use it a lot. Listen to all the other podcasts. It's very easy to use. Just click and play, and we're all up. It's automatically uploaded to all of our stuff up there, so you don't have to worry about that. Once we upload it, it's right to there for you. It's a great app. We love it. That being said, Jess Thomas joins me again for a second episode in a row. We weren't on last week, but this week he is back with me. Jess, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Looking forward to talking to a lot of baseball stuff here. We got a couple weeks to cover, so well, fun to yeah, talk about. Yeah. Yeah, we got plenty to talk about. Justin and I were just going back and forth before we came on air, and he was amazed by how much we had to talk about after he realized how long it's been since we've been on. So I'm not going to waste any time. we got an hour to go. We do not have a guest for you today, unfortunately, but we still have me and myself and Jess to talk all this lovely baseball stuff, plenty of Red Sox rumors and things to get to. Before we're going to get anything Red Sox and offseason related, I want to just finish this offseason right, this season right, because we didn't get the chance to talk about the Giants winning the World Series, and because we weren't on last week, and we wanted to talk, I really wanted to harp on this, Jess, and look, I really, I was rooting for the Giants to win, I wanted the Giants to win, because I didn't think the Royals, I didn't want the Royals to be the standard of winning in baseball, because their system could, yeah, they did well this year, and they worked, but they didn't have that kind of pitching, they didn't, and they aren't that typical baseball team, build around power, build around some pitching, they got it done when it needed to be done, but they aren't really, at least like, even, for my sake, at least the Giants had two guys to build around, whether it be Pablo Sandoval and Posey, and then they had Baumgartner. James Shields wasn't that guy as great as I wanted him to be, and I still profess I like him, but I don't think he'll be here now with all the other options they have, as the Red Sox do. But 
I like the Giants winning because it kind of keeps baseball in order, and it kind of also brings up the Dynasty talk. Jess, before we get to the whole Dynasty talk, because that's definitely where I want to go with this, just give me your overall thoughts of this World Series in a whole, because even looking, even with the seven games and all this stuff, the ratings weren't that great this year. Yeah, well, I thought it was, I mean, for baseball fans like us, I thought it was a really fun World Series, just because the stories, either the team's going to win three out of five or first time in 29 years. So either way, it's a good storyline. And the fact that it went all the way to seven games and went all the way to the last out with a guy at third in a one-run game, that was thrilling. I think the reason the, that the ratings were lower is because, well, because people complain baseball is too long. I can't get enough of it personally. But um, I think that since most of the games weren't close, if you look at, look at the box scores of games, there were a lot of, a lot of blowouts overall out of the seven games. But I think it all made up for it in the end with the the one-run game and having Madison Bumgarner come in and pitch the last five innings. He deserved it. I mean, I picked the Royals to win, and anybody could have won. But, boy, I don't, anyone, no one could have deserved that more than Bumgarner. Bumgarner, phenomenal pitching postseason. Obviously, he had a great regular season, too, but it was kind of outshadowed by Kershaw. Oh, in L.A., obviously, he kind of crapped himself in the uh, postseason like he has the last couple opportunities he's had. But back to Bumgarner, he has just been phenomenal we was phenomenal in the postseason. I expect him to be just as good for them next year. But I think, Jess, you said it. He came in to pitch those last five innings, and it really just – I think that, for me, that capped off the World Series of what – if anyone was going to come in relief and pitch on short rest, obviously it was going to be him just because look at the way he was pitching. Because a lot of people were calling for him to potentially – if you're going to pitch him, might as well start him and then let your bullpen, who was good, go. But they gave Hudson the ball, they let him pitch, and then they brought Baumgartner in the fifth inning. I don't know. I, I think they did it the right way. I think you had to give Tim Hudson that start because I think Hudson deserved the start because what if he could have gone off and been well done well and pitched and you wouldn't even need a Baumgartner. But I think either way, you would have seen Baumgartner. So do you think, Jess, there was any thought in, their, in uh, Bochy's mind to start Baumgartner on short rest, or was it relieving all the way and giving Hudson the ball? I think it was definitely relieving all the way and giving Hudson the ball. And I don't think he wanted to even pitch Baumgartner as long as he did because you saw the quotes afterwards and he was saying – he didn't want to take him out. He, he was worried about his pitch count, but when he's pitching the way he was, how could you take him out? Because he pitched 68 pitches in the five innings, which is a lot of pitches after pitching a game, two games. But I wanted to give Hudson a shot, but if anything went wrong, two innings, he was he was he knew he was going to go to Bumgarner soon, which he did. Yeah, no, I think. Baumgartner was there as a safety net for him. Like you said, though, pitching on two days rest is hard to do, especially the way he was pitching. He was dominant in his previous start before that, and coming in and pitching Game 7, five whole innings, he really shown his toughness. And my, my excuse for Bochy is basically you had all off, you have all offseason to rest the guy and be ready for spring training. Give him the extra couple innings is despite the pitch count. Obviously, in normal situations, if he was to come in relief or if there was an extra game after that, you'd probably take him out and go to your bullpen. But you have to think that, with the offseason looming, no matter what happened in that game, he, he definitely made the right decision there for Bochi for, and for Baumgartner to just stay in, let him finish that, and get that third World Series in five years. And you got to think, Bochi's happy with his decision, winning and getting the parade, and Jake Peavy buying his cable car and all this stuff. And it was a great, it was a great end to a great, it was a great play, playoffs for most baseball fans. Now, we won't get into the discussion of what was it like for casual fans because it was tough. There weren't All the superstars were getting knocked out. The, the Yankees and Red Sox weren't in there for people in this area, so that also was a lost element this postseason. But 
Despite that, the Giants do go on to win their third World Series in five years. Now, that leads me to where I really want to go with this after that quick recap. And we had a great season. We're looking forward to 2015. But before we do look, move over to the hot stove stuff, and which has become more of a cold stove in my opinion, but we will get to it. The Giants, again, three years, in a, three years out of the last five winning a World Series, most people would think that would be considered dynasty talks, Jess. Um, I'm a little skeptical, and I'm willing to hold the brakes on that and pump the brakes on that. Before I say something, Jess, I just want you to tell me straight up, do the Giants deserve that dynasty tag on them now? I think they do. I, I think they do. I think they deserve it with, with three out of five years. And their team's changed a little bit each year, too, and they just keep coming back and winning, which is amazing. So I think I think a lot of it comes back to Bochy because he obviously knows how to manage in the playoffs and he knows how to get any random guys on his team to buy into his system. And they just they just win every other year. And even when they're not that good in the regular season, good in terms of playoffs, they're still good, obviously. But he just knows how to win, and his players know how to win. And I think they're going to be there every year. I'm going to have to go against you, and a lot of people might hate me for this argument, but I think it's a valid one because they my, – my example to go against is the last, the last generation Yankees with the Jeters and the Pettits when they were all in their primes and they were winning titles and they were always there in the ALCS even if they weren't getting the World Series. That success was there, that success was driven, and you had multiple World Series titles like the Giants do. But in those off years, those off years are what I'm looking at now, Jess, and it's the idea of – Okay, now you might not win the World Series, but were you in the playoffs? Were you making a push, and were you almost there? And I think that's a big thing because if you look and I, if you look the Giants' stats in their position in the league, those two years in between, which I believe in the top of my head was 2011 and 2013, those two years didn't make the playoffs. Bottom of the league in hitting and pitching, and you just weren't really there in producing. Yes, I'll give them credit; they came back and won those three out of the, those five, but they did it. As an underdog, which I guess you really can't – it's hard to say that they keep getting the underdog tag going into these playoffs every time because once we get in the postseason, Giants kind of turn on their switch and really know how to play. But I just don't want to give that dynasty tag to a team that really wasn't successful in the years that they weren't winning titles. If you want to cross sports, you have the Patriots who are winning those three three out of four, but in that fourth year they were also in the playoffs and they've had their success. And since then they haven't won, so I'm reluctant to keep them on the dynasty tag, but they still have – the 10 years of success with Brady and back to baseball, the Yankees again, just they always knew the Yankees were the pinnacle of baseball. You thought of them as, okay, they're going to have a chance every year. They're going to go to the ALCS every year, regardless of what happens. Um, I won't give them the dynasty tag, but in basketball, the Miami heat, same idea. They were in the finals four out of the four years that LeBron James was there. It's just the mantra of dynasties and sports to me is not just the winning. It's the, what you do in between while you're still not winning, while you're building up to get back to winning. I'll give them credit. They won those three years. But for me, the success of what you do in between is also just as important in a dynasty tag as what you do the years that you're winning. Yeah, that's definitely fair. I I could agree with that, too. But, I mean, just the fact that they have the skill to come back after having poor seasons every other year and then winning is just, I don't know, it just amazes me. I think it's I think it's so impressive that they can just – turn it on in the playoffs when they want. I'm, I don't know. It seems like a dynasty to me, but I see your point too, definitely. 
yeah, the, being able to turn it on is not an easy thing in sports. Not you, you, a lot of people rely on it. You've seen Celtics teams in Boston try to rely on it. You've seen Red Sox teams try to rely on it. It's not an easy thing to do. So I give the Giants all the credit in the world, but I'd like them to win maybe not even win one more, but just like even next year if they don't win still go all in and still be there and maybe potentially be in an NLCS regardless if you win or lose it. Mm-hmm. Just show me that you can go back to the playoffs and back to a high level of baseball the year after you won it. Because yeah. I, if they can win back-to-back next year, then I'll give it to huh. them. Because that means you're... You, they, don't, they haven't won back-to-back. I want to see them do it after because winning back-to-back shows me, okay, you went and took what you had, you didn't let people go, and you reloaded, and you came back and won again, and then maybe the next year you come back and just make the playoffs because the two, the, it's what's killing me. If they made the playoffs the two years in between their World Series titles, then I would be a little more lenient on giving them that dynasty tag because they showed the success, and you would think, oh, the last five years, Giants baseball is playoff baseball, whereas now it's Giants baseball is either playoff baseball and winning a World Series or being at the bottom of the league, being at the bottom of the league, hitting, batting average, pitching statistics, everything. If you didn't have Madison Baumgartner, you wouldn't have won. It. You wouldn't have won. If you didn't have Pablo Sandoval coming up big, you wouldn't have won, but on a consistent basis, your team has not been built to last more than one season, and then you have to go through a rebuilding season. Now, as a fan, I'll take it. I would love three World Series in, in five years. I'm not complaining on that at all. If I was a Red Sox fan, that's what I'd be begging for. I'm okay if you suck one year and win the next, as long as you win the next one. Don't suck for two years. That's why 2015 is such a big deal. You won in 2013, as much of a fluke as it might have been, and now you go to 2014 and lay an egg. Don't come back and lay an egg in 2015. Come back and show me that you can win. I'm okay with that as a fan, but when you're talking dynasty, I don't know if I'm leaning it to give the Giants that just yet because, just if I, I don't have it in front of me, and this might be completely wrong, but when I looked it up, the Giants were bottom five in the both years that they didn't win in batting average in, in the majors. Uh, I believe their lead team ERA for pitching was right in the middle of the pack both years. So you kind of saw a trend. It's not the right trend to be a dynasty, but you saw a trend of the years they won, their batting average was very high. The years they lost, their batting average was low, and their pitching was no, wasn't great. It's the idea of the way the Giants win is hit for average. They don't have power. Pablo Sandoval is not a power hitter regardless of his size. He's a fat lard, and he can play, and he's athletic, but he doesn't have the power behind him. And, that's, and that, that would be the only guy that I could think of that would even have the power on that team besides Buster Posey. Buster Posey is not a power hitter really either. They hit for average. They get on base, and they manufacture runs. But without, but without getting on base at all and having that hitting for average, that's where their success drew down a little bit over the last those years that they weren't winning. And that's kind of where I'm coming from is if you can hit for average and be at the top of the league in all your stats every year, like the Yankees were when they were a dynasty, and then you go on and win every other year while being competitive in the playoffs, I'm even okay with being out after the uh, ALCS or even the, even the NLDS if you're, if you're winning every other year and then maybe going two and out or three and out and not getting all the way to the World Series, that's fine with me if you want to be a dynasty and win every other year. But you can't tank and suck so badly that you're going into the bottom half of the league in statistics with the Miami Marlins every other year. It's not consistent enough for me. Well, the way I see it is just baseball is so hard to win in, and you see so many different teams win on random years. Angels and the White Sox win you know, random random teams like that take away the Giants and the Red Sox, obviously, because they won six out of the last ten. But I just feel like baseball is so hard to win in. And no matter what you are in your off years, if you win three out of five, it's just, I don't know, that's just amazing. And just strictly because of baseball. Like basketball, you know, same teams win every year, it seems like. And 
baseball, that doesn't happen. So I, I don't know. I just, I just think it's so impressive to win three out of five. I agree. I'm not taking anything away from winning three out of five. And this is where I'm probably going to get a lot of backlash on Twitter the next week. I'm going to get it. I'm going. I always get it when I make my negative comment. <laughs> it's just I'm being realistic in the sense of you have to sit here and think, okay. If you're comparing them to other dynasties, how do they stack up? And that's kind of where I draw my line is just the, the last dynasty we've known of is the, was the Yankees, early 2000s, late 90s, when Jeter started playing in the Pettits. And those, the big four really came up with Bernie Williams, uh, Posada, Pettit, Derek Jeter. And then you had obviously Mo come through too and don't want to take anything away from him, obviously. But you saw what the Yankees did, and that was a dynasty. And that's like the epitome of what a dynasty is. So I'm not saying the Giants aren't one, and you might be able to put them in the back burner of a dynasty, but I don't want to put them at Yankees level yet just because they haven't done anything in between. And if they they keep winning, they could come back next year. If they sign Pablo Sandoval back, which we'll get to in a second, if they bring – if Buster Posey has another year, Baumgartner pitches the way he's been pitching, and they get someone else to back him up in that rotation because I don't believe Jake Peavy or Tim Hudson, neither of them are the answer. So I think if they can get some starter to help Baumgartner and help get some pressure off him as the only really stud pitcher there, their bullpen's intact. Their defense is great. It's just the starting rotation might need a little help, and they might need to get an extra bat in there because Posey and Sandoval are the only two names on that team that really stick out to anybody in terms of power. And obviously Hunter Pence is nothing to take away from him, but you might need another guy to really sustain it and keep that and have some power numbers above what hitting for average is, and that might help you sustain some more as well. Now, Giants not being a dynasty, Giants being a dynasty, obviously we're talking about it. Hinders on the next couple years, I think. If you can, it, it hinders maybe on 2015 for me. If the way I'm talking, if, if I'm going to throw my own argument in my own face here, it's, you have to think, if they do successful, if they're successful next year, and go in six years, only miss the playoffs twice, and win, get in the ALCS, or win another World Series next year, if they go back to back, they're definitely a dynasty. If, and the, so the closer they get to that, the more I'll, give them the credit of being a dynasty. I'm not going to give it to them yet, but this time next year, they're Wait World Series. <laughs> if, yeah, this time next year, if they're World Series champs, I will give them the credit. If I will give them the dynasty tag. If they're in the ALCS or if, at least in the playoffs, then call me up and talk to me and we'll have a discussion and I'll throw it in your face. So they're probably still not a dynasty, but we'll get, it'll be a little closer and you'll have a better argument against me and that'll make you feel a little better. <laughs> Either way, Right now, they're not. That's, that's what I'm getting at. Is right now, they're not. We'll see how it goes. 2015 is a big year for them. 2015 is a big year for the Red Sox. And Jess, there's a link there, and that's moving to my next topic, because I think this dynasty talk is going to stand still. My next topic links both these teams, and I think we know how it links both teams, because Pablo Sandoval, the panda, free agent, he potentially could go back to the Giants. Obviously, that we, I think that's what's going to happen. I think they'd be stupid to let him go, because he's a big name out there, not just for production in terms of marketing the team, because all the Panda stuff that's around the ballpark and the nickname Panda itself, and he's a lovable guy around the ballpark, in the clubhouse, everywhere. But the guy produces. He hits for average. He's a great defender. Later in his career, I can see maybe him, be, if he wants to play out, potentially being a DH in the AL, and that's why his peak, his potential for the Red Sox is, and an AL team is also helpful. Pablo Sandoval is big, but he's athletic with his size, and I like him, and I and. Jess, I don't know what you think about this, but I think he's a great fit for the Red Sox. I think you, regardless of the money, I think you, unless you're going to bring back John Lester, I think you bite the bullet on his money and you bring him in because he's a left-handed bat who can put in the middle of the order, who can hit for line, who can hit for average, and he's a left-handed hitter, which you're desperately telling us you need as a Red Sox organization, and he plays third base, which you are in desperate need of. Yeah, I think you'd be, I, I agree that he would be a really good fit because he's kind of a, 
seems like a fun-loving dude. He's he's entertaining. Obviously, him and Ortiz would get get along great. And I know Ortiz already talked to him during the World Series about coming to the Red Sox when Ortiz was doing the pregame show for Fox for Games One and Two. So all that considered, I think he's definitely a good fit here. But the thing with him is he's really a great postseason hitter, but he's not a great regular season hitter. If you look at his numbers, I'm looking at him right now. This season, 279, 16 homers, 73 RBI. Last year, 278, 14 homers, 79 RBI. The year before, 283, 12 homers, 63 RBI. He's really not fantastic. He's a solid player, but he's not clearly not a superstar numbers-wise. But he is a huge, huge, huge postseason player, which obviously you want in a place like Boston. So I think he'd definitely be worth it to get it. And as you said earlier in the show, or maybe that was before the show, you said sometime that, that – <laughs> that he could replace Ortiz at DH when he retires, which is also a good decision. He's only 28 right now, which is nice and young. So I would definitely take him. I'd be very excited about it. I don't know if we'll get him. I agree with you. That'd be really dumb for them to not sign him back because he's clearly well liked in, in San Francisco and had a lot of success with him. But yeah, I would. Anyway, everyone's saying that he'd be a bad fit for the Red Sox, so they shouldn't get him. I just don't see that. I think I think that'd be great. What I'm intrigued to see, Justin, I don't know if you want to look this up while I go on my rant here for a second. I'm just intrigued whether um, what Pablo Sandoval's average and all that stuff is in his stats are when runners are in scoring position. Because it seems to me that whenever Giants score and there's highlights on ESPN or whatever, or MLB Network, whatever, it seems to be that he's him or Buster Posey or Hunter Pence are the three that are really driving them in. So I'm intrigued to see what his numbers are there. If you can't get him, I can look him up after. But I'm intrigued to see what those numbers are. Like you said, though, Jess, he's only 28. And that's where it's big for me is, yes, I get the Red Sox feelings with players who are 30. But he's not 30 yet. If you can get him, his contract, okay, look, his contract is expected to clear $100 million for the length of it. He wants six years. Give it to him. Give him six years, over a little over $100 million. Front load it. Front load it and put some incentives on the backside, and you're good. He'll only be 34. It's not that old. He'll only be <laughs> Yeah, he'll only be 34 when that contract's up. By then, David Tortiz is probably going to be out of here and retired. And if that's the case, you need a DH. And at that point, let him DH. Unless you have someone else who you, in your system who you feel could DH, whether that's Mike Napoli towards the end of his career, but he's already older. He's a perfect candidate for this team because, like you said, he hits well in the postseason. That's what we need the most. And I'm going to back this up based on my, set, my, my hunch about his stats in, the post, in his runnings and scoring position. He hits well with runners in scoring position. I'm going to assume that's true. I, I, got, I, I got the stat for it. I just found it. Okay. Want to read it off to me so I'm right? Are you, Hopefully. Are you talking about, you're talking about the, this, this past year, right? In general. If, something that approves my general, generic thesis here. All right. Well, I can check past years, but just for 2014 alone, runners in scoring position, 291, six homers, 58 RBI. I'll take that's that. That's solid. Yeah, that's I'll take that's that. Good. That's what you want right there. Boom. I'm so happy that was right. Yeah. I'm, I was a guess in the dark. Almost 300 scoring position. That's really good. Yeah, and that's that's what you need because where he would probably hit in the lineup, you're going to have runners on because you got Rosnay Castillo coming and hopefully will be starting at center field. With him, Petroya, and I don't, and potentially maybe Victorino, may, whoever hits um, in that order, plus Ortiz hitting third, then you have Nap probably hitting fourth, and then you have him sitting fifth or sixth. That's deep, and if he's that good, runners in scoring position, I'll take a 290 hitter with runners in scoring position any day of the week, because more times than not, you'll be seeing him driving in runs and putting the Red Sox ahead. He'll be the one getting the at-bats late in the games with getting if after Ortiz gets on base or after Petroya gets on base. 
That's a big thing for me. And later on in his career, that's not going to change. And if he has to only focus on hitting when this contract is up and you bring him back to DH, that makes him even better of a hitter because you won't have to worry about playing defense. But for next year's sense alone, you pay the guy. He's 28 years old. He wants six years. That's fine. He'll be, like you said, Jess, he'll be 34. A little over $100 million. Puts it, if you want to front load that and see if he goes for it, fine. Back load it. Just do not put weight incentives on that contract because he will not come here. And I've heard that being thrown around, whether some teams might not give him weight incentives and the Red Sox might. Do not do that because if you give him weight incentives, he's not coming because his whole career has been this size and he's been fine. So he's going to argue, I'm working out, I'm in shape, I'm athletic, which he is. He plays defense well at third base. He's got great reaction. He's got a great arm. Yeah, I don't think his weight's a, a problem at all. It shouldn't be a problem. He's, he's athletic, yeah. I've heard that a lot, Jess, and that, that's, that's a pain to me because if that's the only reason you're not going to pay him, don't do don't, don't. That's stupid, yeah, that's- Ben Sherrington. Ben Charrington, if you're listening to me right now, <laughs> stop it. Like, no, sign the dude. He's, he's meeting. Okay, he's meeting with the Red Sox front office. His 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 uh, agent is meeting with the Red Sox this week in Arizona. I think it is Phoenix, right? Where the GM meetings are. I think that's right. Um, he's meeting, and they expected to meet with them today, Tuesday, Wednesday, just sometime this week while they're down there. And I'm intrigued to see how those go because that's the first contact anyone's going to have with his agent except and his people except for the Giants. Right. So I'm intrigued to see. I really think right now it's really – with Pablo Sandoval, it's basically the Giants are the team, and if anyone's going to take them away from the Giants, it's going to be the Red Sox. And I think that realistically, as other teams might be interested, you're going to have either him go to the Red Sox or him stay with San Francisco because it's going to take him a decent contract or some really good persuasion by the Red Sox to get him away from San Francisco. So I, as much as I want him to be the first option, and he should be the first option, like I'm saying, it's going to be tough to get him away from San Francisco. But it does make sense. He's reportedly seeking a six-year deal worth over $100 million. I think you pay him. He's a, he's a switch hitter who is a great left-handed hitter, which makes him even more of a threat because he can switch hit. He's not like a matchup problem. Right. He can switch hit, but he also can hit lefties left-handed. I've seen him do it. He's great. But he's a great switch hitter, primarily a left-handed hitter, which is the bulk of what you need. And if you can get him who... He, he's a matchup problem, and it's great, and that's what we need. And I think he's the guy to go for. Like like Jess just read off, his numbers are just under 300, 291 with runs, runners in scoring position. Jess, I don't see any reason at all why the Red Sox shouldn't make a strong push to get him for next year. I'm going to get you a little more excited. I went back one year. Oh. <laughs> Ready for this? Please do 2013 it. 2013 runners in scoring position, 354. Yes, that's it right there. That's incredible. That's it. That's what I want. Five homers, you, 65 you, RBI. So, yeah. So, if you average the last two years out, he's hitting over, well over 300 yeah. with runners in scoring position. That's, that just makes my argument so much better. Yeah, it does. That was that was big. Yeah, he's, he's a clutch hitter, no question about it. And I think definitely strong push at him. It's all they're talking about, third base, left-handed hitter. Like, it's perfect. It's literally perfect. It's like the only thing if, – if we don't get him and we get, like, Chase Headley, which is another option, and he's a cheaper option. If we get Chase Headley and not Pablo Sandoval, now, especially knowing those stats now, I'm going to be so disappointed because – Now we're excited about you, it. <laughs> yeah, now I'm really excited about it. And you're, that's what you need, though. The, one of the biggest – I mean, look, the Red Sox might not contend next year. They might not be that, that team next year, which no one expects them to be in 2013 either, but they all played together. They played well. That was a fluke. I'm going to give them that, but they still won. Either way, the Giants – would be dumb to let him go, but if you get Pablo Sandoval, that fills one of many holes. You have plenty of other holes. You have pitching, potentially outfield help. You have obviously the, the you could use some help in the bullpen. There's a lot of holes on this team, but the big one for me is third base because you can't find anyone to fill that hole. And Pablo Sandoval, pop him in that hole right there. Just do it because Will Middlebrooks, Will Middlebrooks is not the future of this team. 
And if you can get any value for him, if he, but coming out of spring training, let him play a little sooner, that's fine. Get rid of him because he's not going to claim to be what he was at the beginning of his career. He has the power. Some team like Miami or some team that is down in the standings and needs a bat will go after him. But you need, need, need a third baseman and preferably a left-handed hitter in third baseman because that kills two birds with one stone. I think he's the perfect fit. Now, just Chase Headley is another option. I'll stop Googling over Panda for a second here. Chase Headley is another option. You also have... Um, I heard Troy Tulowitzki is another option, potentially, if you can get, convince him to switch to third base. But the big one for me, and this is, a, this is a big if, but there's a good chance that this could happen, too. If they're willing to pay Hanley Ramirez, yes, the same Hanley Ramirez who was here, and they traded him for Josh Beckett to the Marlins, and then Marlins get, shipped him off to L.A., now playing for the Dodgers. He's willing to, he came out and said he's willing to switch positions and play third base if the contract was right and it was the right situation. I think if you're, if, if you're the Red Sox and you're going to find a, a left-handed bat somewhere else besides third base, then by all means, if put Hanley Ramirez there, too, that's, as another option, because his numbers have been great in the um, postseason all through his career. He's projected to be what we all thought he was going to be, and when we, when we traded him for Josh Beckett, a lot of us were up in arms because, well, you traded away the guy who now what he is, and you, we all knew this is what he was going to be. So if you could potentially get him back, by all and still had Josh Beckett and still won those World Series, by all means do it. Because that is fine with me. As long as you get a left handed bat somewhere in the outfield, a maybe Jason Hayward if the Braves are willing to let him go. I think Hanley would be a great fit here because then you'd have a left side of the infield of Hanley Ramirez and Xander Bogarts. And if Xander Bogarts pans out to what he is going to be, then that's a filthy left hand left side of the infield for the next couple of years. And Pablo Sandoval would be great there too. So either way you're getting a great deal. As long as you don't get Chase Headley, then I'm cool with it. I think Pablo Sandoval and Hanley Ramirez should be your two primary targets. And if you go from there and potentially have another opportunity to get, say, if you get Hanley Ramirez, I think that would be just a phenomenal situation. I'm not quite as high on Hanley Ramirez. I I don't know. I feel like he's injury prone, and his numbers are good, definitely, but not not. I don't feel like he's as good as he was supposed to be. First of all, that was a great trade for for Beckett and Mike Lowell. That was, that was it worked that out. Was a fantastic yeah. trade. Looking back on it now, yeah. But I don't know. I just I'm looking at his numbers. They're definitely solid, but a little inconsistent. I'm not. I don't know. Thirty years old. I'm not sold on him. I'd much rather get Sandoval. And I don't know. I yeah. It's Middlebrooks clearly doesn't seem to be the option. Or the answer I wanted to be because I have a shirt and I was a pretty big Middlebrooks fan and he disappointed <laughs> I think me. we all were, Jess. I think we all were, Jess. I think we all. I ran out and bought a t-shirt too. Trust me, we all were a big. We all were a big fan. And of course, now he takes Jenny Dell off the market too, which makes me hate him even more. Yeah, that was, man, that was quite a string of events for him. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I wish he would just like get good like immediately and stay with us. But I don't. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not high on Hanley Ramirez personally. What, what, honestly, the best situation for me would be if he gets really good, and then you give, and then if the Pablo, if Pablo would do a sign and trade with the Giants, and you give them Middlebrooks, go ahead, do it. That's fine with yeah. me. But Middlebrooks, that would work. But Middlebrooks isn't that good, and he's not panned out. And like you said, I wish he would be good right now. Like, it's it's hard for me to watch it because we know the power he has. His rookie year, he was phenomenal up here, and the power that he had is just not there anymore. He got hurt. He went down to the minors and he hadn't been, and he's been late on everything since he can't hit the curveball. And I just don't know where it went, but we've seen flashes of it 
last year when he came back up and was playing consistently, you saw some flashes of the power, but you also saw him struggling at the plate. And He's a good fielder, too, I though. think he is a great fielder. Yeah. So if you could figure out his bat issue, I'm fine with him being the future. But I don't think they're going to be that patient when they have Pablo Sandoval out there, when they have a Hanley Ramirez out there, potentially Troy Tulowitzki if they wanted to do that. They have options, and then they know they have Giacchini down in AAA, so they don't really need Middlebrooks as much if they want to kind of reload and go for it, which they should do, but they have to be cautious about that because they're not going to win a World Series next year, in my opinion. Um, they're just too many holes to fill in one offseason, and I don't think they have enough money. But again, also, we can get to it too, is if freeing up some money would by trading you Cespedes would also help them do that too. If they want to fill more of the holes. Um, but back to Hanley for a minute, I just think that he's not as great as he was supposed to be, but he's pretty damn close. And I, I'm it, to me, it seems like he's kind of reverse of what Sandoval is. Postseason numbers aren't terribly great, but his regular season numbers are obviously phenomenal. Um, I think he's a pretty decent hitter with runners in scoring position, but you could probably prove me wrong any way possible on that one. Um, <laughs> I think, obviously, Sandoval is the first option for what you need. You need a left-handed bat, and you need a third baseman, and you'd have a guy. you have a guy coming in, like we said, who's averaging, the last two years, averaging over 300 with runners in scoring position, probably around 310, 315, if my terrible math is right. Um, so you have to think that with him only being 28, potentially being a DH replacement for Ortiz after the next couple of years, by the time he would be probably 31, 32, if he took over the DH role from Ortiz, but who knows when Ortiz will stop playing, but... Mm-hmm. Um, he just kind of keeps chugging along, being better. Who knows what he's putting into his body? But something that's not getting something that's not getting past these uh, testers of MLB. But um, I think Pablo is a great fit. I think San. Uh, plus, you can only imagine. Just this just popped in my head. What the phenom of pandas that would be around Fenway Park, and just everything that would be around Fenway Park. The the marketing that they would have, and the Red Sox would make off of Pablo Sandoval would just be through the roof. Yeah, it'd be fun. It'd be really fun to have him. I would make sure I bought a shirt that would say Panda on the back of it, not Pablo's Animal, because <laughs> I would li- I would buy into the Panda hype so hard. I'd probably buy a jersey that said Panda on the back of it, because I am that big of a Pablo Sandoval fan. Always have been, always will be, regardless of if he comes here or not. I have a Sandoval t-shirt. Now I will buy one if he's a Red Sox. I, I buy another one if he's a Red Sox. I, I'm a big fan of the guy. Like We've thrown out the numbers at you guys, and I think he's a great fit. Red Sox are talking to his people now as we speak down over in Phoenix, can't really say down, but over in Phoenix, they're talking to his people. Hopefully those things, will, those meetings will go well. I just think that he's the best bet moving forward. Now, I do want to move on, though, because I, I can talk about Pablo Sandoval all day, and I really don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But before I – one last thing on him. Uh, ben Sherrington was on EI, WEI here in Boston, and his basically his, his – General consensus quote was, he's a good hitter at a position that's tough to find, and that's why there will be a lot of teams interested, including the one he's playing for. And mm-hmm. that's Ben Sherrington and the EI, and that's basically what it is. It's He's a great hitter at the position, it's tough to find, and he's going to be sought after. You've got to think the Giants are going to heavily push for him to keep him. You've got to think the Giants are going to be the ones looking forward to keeping him, because they've he, he has obviously a home there and winning a World Series there. So we'll see what happens, but I think it's a good start. And it's a good. It'd be a good splash in the free agency of the winter of 2014 if you could land him as your first big thing this off season. Um, there's a lot of other holes to fill. Obviously, uh, another big hole in, in terms of shedding money is trading you potentially trading you and Cespedes. I do want to talk about this too, just because again, Charrington was on EI and he basically said 
we've gotten calls by this time we've talked to just about every team several teams have asked about our outfielders not only not anyone in particular because we have some depth there theoretically we've gotten asked on that particularly with teams that may match up I'm not ruling out getting into a trade conversations where we are we might match up, but there's no particular player that we're looking to move, including Cespedes, but we're going to make the team better where we can, and we'll try to open-minded when we're, when we're doing that. Um, the big thing in that long, heavy quote that I just read was basically in this line here, it says, but there's no particular player that we're going to move, and he made the initiative to write, including Cespedes. So I think whether he's shopping him or not, he's not going to come out and say it. Obviously, he wouldn't dare, but... Jess, I just want to know, do you think the Red Sox are shopping Cespedes? Because I do. I think they they have the depth at Elfield. He claims he doesn't want to play here, and you have Mookie Betts there already. If you can get something decent with pitch, if, if, primarily pitching for you and Cespedes, and you clearly, you'd be clearing about $9, $10 million off the book to pay a high-end pitcher, preferably Lester, um, I think you'd do it. Yeah, I think that they should definitely shop him if they can get somebody good back for him. But I think... Betts got so many people excited at the end of this year that people probably wouldn't be too sad about Cespedes leaving because Betts is such a such a bright young star. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if Cespedes isn't even committed to playing here and he never seemed all that comfortable in the past couple of months, so I, yeah, if you can get anything solid for him, I think with the outfield depth, I don't see really any reason to keep him. I think a lot of people who casually watch the team and but know who he is might say, well, why would you give up that power? I'm not saying I wouldn't like to have Cespedes on the team next year. If you can get him on the team and you're committing to pushing for next year, which I think would be the wrong decision, but if you're going to sit here and push pitch to us fans and us media members, you, if you're going to pitch to us, we're going for it next year, then of course I'd like, and, and you can get around it, I'd like to have him on the team next year because he's that guy who has some power. He's going to strike out, but he can hit, and he can put the ball over the monster. We saw it at the end of the season, and you put him in that order with Ortiz, Napoli, Castillo next year, Pedroia coming back healthy. You have a lineup there for offense, and if you can get around it and potentially compete for next year and you're okay with get, well, letting him walk next year after the season without a draft pick, then by all means do it because you're not going to get a draft That's another thing. You don't get a draft pick for him. It's in his contract, some weird clause that he wrote up with the A's no, saying that if he left as a free agent you weren't, you wouldn't, and you offered him a off, qualifying offer, you wouldn't get a draft pick. You like, can't offer him a qualifying offer. It's something he built into his contract, and I'm assuming the A's knew that, and that's why they dealt him. Um, but I think that if you're going to push for it next year, then keep him because he's a good help, unless you're going to get something like filthy for it. But I think if you're going to keep him, you've got to be all in. You've got to be in it for next year, and I don't think they are because I know John Farrell said, uh, I think it was EEI he was on as well, an interview he did, and it was basically saying someone asked him about next year and whether how much he was going to how much they really were going to push for the high name for agents. And he said, look, we have a lot of young prospects and basically the sense of we know what we have debt-wise young prospects and we have young players to fill out a roster. We want to win next year, but we're not going to jeopardize our future for that. Basically, if that if that holds true, you're sitting here with the idea of the Red Sox are going to make some splashes, but nothing to put them in a World Series next year, Jess. Yeah, definitely. I think, <laughs> I don't know, It's it's so tough who will fit in what what specific place. But, I mean, I figure Charrington will probably make the best moves possible. But I want to I wanna talk about the Shane Victorino thing in terms of the outfield that we that you brought up before we started the show. Uh, Victorino said that he is still the Red Sox starting right fielder. And that's that. <laughs> yeah. He, he thinks that he's the right fielder, which definitely is interesting with all, this, all, all the outfield talk we're talking about, having, having so many players and, 
having to be so injury prone and he just doesn't care about anyone else. Like he's he's going to be the starter. So what do you think about that? It's it's insane. I didn't I didn't expect that. All of a sudden, I read it this morning on um, it was on the Red Sox website itself, and they basically outlined how Yoenis Cespedes, Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley, Ruznay, Castillo, Daniel Nava, and Alan Craig. It's the logjam that you have in outfield. Plus, you had Shane Victorino in there. And I have a quote in front of me, and I I, I like want I want to read this because it like gets to me. He says, I. This is later on down in the article, but I can promise you right now that I'm not going to spring training competing for a job, said Victorino. There's no reason for me to compete for a job in regards to that. I'm not saying it with any disrespect. If I'm healthy, it's my job. I don't think there's any other way to look at it. That's that's some strong words for a guy who's been out in injury prone for a while. With There's a lot of talks of him not being needed, and you have, again, Ruzne Castillo coming in. You have a really capable Nava plus Cespedes. If you keep him, you have Mookie Betts. It's tough for me to sit here. And say to you that Victorino is right because he's not. I think it's very bold of him to come out, and I think I think honestly it's what I expected. Only because eventually he's going to come out here and get the questions of what whether he's hurt and what, what do they think about all these rumors. And he's going to come out and say, "Look, I'm coming in as no one's told me otherwise. I'm coming in as the Red Sox right fielder, and I'm sure no one's told him otherwise yet." So he's kind of right in the sense, but I think it's crazy because I don't know how he. I'm, I don't know in, in his back of his head if he really believes what he said, but he came out with so fo- so much force that he kind of has to believe it. Because, he, again, another quote, too, it kind of backs it up. He said, hey, do I want to be the right fielder here? Yeah, I'm still the right fielder here. Numbers come into play. I've been around this game long enough. I understand it's a business, but nowhere in my mind do I think that's not my job. I'm preparing for that. Whatever happens, happens. I'm preparing to be the right fielder here at Fenway and go out there and be the best player I can be next year and to be as healthy as I can go out there and have fun doing it. He's talking like there's no chance of him. Like there's really no chance in court. in his mind. It seems like that he's even going to go anywhere. And there's a good chance that he might either be on the bench as a utility guy. I believe this is the last year of his contract. They could work him into a deal somehow. Maybe betraying him and Cespedes for pitching and have an outfield of Castillo, Mookie Betts, uh, Nava. You have Alan Craig still. Potentially, what's going to happen with him? You have a logjam, and Victorino might not fit into those plans. I'm intrigued to see what happens. Just with this, but I think it was really, really bold of him to say what he did. Yeah, I don't think he should have said that stuff just because then it's going to cause controversy. Everyone's going to say, well, who's, who's this guy I think he is and everything. But he was huge in 2013. I don't want to just pass over that. He was a big, big part of that team and one of the main reasons we won. And I think losing him last year made a huge difference in the team because they didn't have his energy and his excitement. I think he's, he's a big-time player in terms of clubhouse. So I would, I'd be willing to, to start in there. I, I mean, certainly over Craig at this point. And I mean, I love Nava, but Victorino's probably more of an impact player. And, you know, we're talking about possibly getting rid of Cespedes. So, I mean, I think, I think he'd be definitely good to have back. And I think he might be able to back up what he says. I mean, he kind of seems full of crap at times, <laughs> but he is an exciting player. And, I'm not really surprised that he said this stuff because he kind of will say anything. I don't think he should have said this, but he's for sure the flying Hawaiian. He's definitely the flying Hawaiian, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I think he could still be the right fielder. I see what he's saying. Like injuries happen, and it was my job before, so it should be my job now. But that's not quite how it works. <laughs> so yeah, we yeah. we've seen that with you know Will Middlebrooks and people like that. You, you get injured and you lose your job. So I want to believe him, but I don't think he should have said this stuff. Yeah, no, I don't think you should have said this stuff either. And I feel like if you do trade Cespedes, he's fine for being in right field because without trading Cespedes, I believe your outfield should be Castillo, Cespedes, and Mookie Betts. But 
if you don't trade Cespedes, if you do trade Cespedes, which seems like it's pretty much going to happen, then you realistically need him out there because I don't trust Alan Craig. As much of his numbers are fantastic, you don't, I don't trust Alan Craig. And, and Daniel Nava is a good platoon guy, but I don't think every day he's manageable. I would support Victorino being out there if he's the only other option, meaning if you trade Cespedes. Which, that being said, I believe that'll happen. So, in my, I guess with my logical of reasoning, I believe that Victorino will also be in right field <laughs> come next year. Um, so you were agreeing with him. <laughs> I, so I kind of have to agree with him because of my logical sense of the way I think Cespedes is going to go. Because if Cespedes is gone, there's really no one else to put out there unless you made a trade potentially for a Jason Hayward. Um, and then fill out the outfield that way. So it depends on what they do that way, too, and what their ideal is. So, and realistically, it depends on what the, where they want to add that left-handed bat, too, like we were saying, because if you, if you add the left-handed bat at third base with Sandoval, which I'm hoping they do, then you don't have to worry about putting the extra outfielder out there, and then you can use the log jam of outfielders that you have. Um, for me, the, the big issue is still pitching. But in the sense of this article, he seems confident, he seems ready to go, and he said, I'm going to be ready for day one of spring training. I've never been away from the game this long. I hate it. I'm doing everything the doctors are telling me to do, and I'm going to be back and ready to go. So I'm intrigued to see where that goes. But, Jess, I think by default we kind of have to agree with him because it seems like the way the Red Sox and the way these rumors are shaking out, it seems like he's going to be out there. Yeah, he probably will be. And I guess the only thing that would be in his way would be Alan Craig, but... Who is Alan Craig to take his job at this point? I mean, he's, yeah, he no, there's no nothing, way, absolutely nothing. So it's see, I, I, you can't trust him at this point. He doesn't seem comfortable. He doesn't seem to be kind of the fit for Boston, and he was just terrible. So it's a shame too because Alan Craig in St. Louis last couple of years was an All Star until he got hurt, yep. and it just seems like this injury might kill his career, which is unfortunate because he still doesn't seem uncomfortable on it. I believe it was an ankle, right? If I'm mista- if I'm not mistaken, it was um, a foot. It was a foot injury. It was a foot. Well, either way, it's kind of awkward down there yeah. in that area, ankle, foot. Kind of all the same injury when you're dealing with swinging a bat, in my opinion. And it's kind of, I you saw issues when he was swinging a bat. He couldn't plant. He couldn't turn. Playing the outfield, he was kind of slow because he didn't he didn't trust it. Yeah, he just looked bad. No, period. <laughs> yeah, he just looked all around awful. And you might you might get stuck with him on the bench next year. That's fine. I mean, he's going to help him rehab. He'll, he'll enjoy. It. I think his I don't know when his contract's up. If, I don't even know. Yeah, but, um. I, I think you're going to end up with him on a bench somewhere in Boston. I just don't know if he's going to be that guy. I don't know if he's ever going to get back to the way. Before the before the injury, he was phenomenal. I really liked him, but I don't think he's going to get back to that, and I don't think he's ever going to be able to just because I don't. it's hard to trust an ankle after you hurt it once because it becomes weaker, and all the bones and the cartilage in there kind of get gross, and they kind of get squishy if you want to deal with on medical doctor-like terms. <laughs> um, it's kind of hard to see where that would go. but I want to see him do well, but at this point, he's given us no reason to think he will. No, I would love to see him do well. I think it would be great, but I don't think he's going to do well either. Um, that being said, I just I just think that the biggest issue is going to be filling the pitching and left-handed bat. And that, I think once you do left-handed bat, that will fill out what, you, what your ideal is. That will show us what their plan is to do for the outfield, whether or not they get Panda. I think Panda is going to be signed pretty quickly. I don't think it's going to get dragged out. If there's already talks happening, I think it's going to be – what do you have, Red Sox? What are you willing to offer? If not, I'm going back to San Francisco, and that'll help play out where we're going from here on out through the rest of the offseason, through the winter meetings and all that stuff. And it's going to be a great offseason. We're going to be here every week getting you down and ready to go. Um, that being said, there's one other – there's other the, – obviously the biggest hole, Jess, is pitching, I think. In my opinion, I don't know what you think, but I think pitching is the biggest issue. Oh, yeah, definitely. And obviously James Shields is out there. Eh, yeah. you got to get someone else if you're going to bring James Shields in. Um but 
Lester obviously is out there. They're going to talk to Lester, they said. I don't see that happening. I just feel like it's not going to happen. The biggest name out there, realistically, was Cole Hamels until today, where there was a report out that Cole Hamels has the Red Sox on. I believe, I just looked at it again, it was one of 20 teams on his no-trade list, meaning he has to get approval from the GM before they trade him to the Red Sox if that was to happen. Does that hinder the chances of the Red Sox all to get Cole Hamels? Because I would love to get Cole Hamels, personally. I would love it. And I think Cespedes would be a great piece to give them to get Cole Hamels. And I think Cole Hamels would be great. He'd be that big, tall lefty to put at the top of the rotation. Potentially, if you can get Shields, too, you throw him under there. Um, Justin Masterson is a cheap option. We talked about that last time we were on the air, Jess. I like Justin Masterson as a 3-4 fill-in with Joe Kelly and Buckholz down there in the lower half of your rotation. But Cole Hamels potentially doesn't want to come to the Red Sox. How does that hinder their opportunity here? Yeah, I think that's definitely definitely becomes an issue. I don't really want him. I've never really wanted him to come here, but he's I mean, he's definitely a proven pitcher and it's definitely good to have a lefty, but I'm having trouble moving past John Lester. I'll move past him when it's official that he doesn't come here. But until that happens, I'm still going to hold out hope because I know it's, I know it's the Red Sox fan of me, but I just I would like nothing more than to have him back. He's always been one of my favorite players and when I compare Hamels and Shields and these guys to him, it's just like, nah, <laughs> I don't want him. <laughs> so it's tough though because care. I would, I want him because it's tough to find someone else right there that's going to really make an impact. You know, just because like I think that he he's a great lefty. He still has the stuff. He's not. I'd rather John Lester, and I think that needs to be their priority. But I, realistically, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. And now I don't think Cole Hamels is going to happen if this is the case, <laughs> unless the, unless they unless they wow the Phillies with an offer. Maybe we'll get nobody. <laughs> maybe, maybe we just won't have pitching. And maybe Buck Holtz will be the ace next year. Hey, you never know. <laughs> maybe, we'll have, maybe we'll just have Koji start now that he's back for two years. Let's throw him at the start of the bull, front of the rotation. Um, I no, I just think they need someone. I don't care if it's one person. I don't. I slowly build it. I don't care. But they need one person that can headline this rotation, and I'm not ready to give Henry Owens that job yet, especially if potentially you could trade Henry Owens to get an ace or two. I wouldn't mind getting Cole Hamels and James Shields, but I think James Shields' price is going to be too high. But Cole Hamels saying that he doesn't want to pitch potentially for the Red Sox, that's a big deal because the Red Sox have been in rumors with Cole Hamels for a long time now throughout the season. So I think it's going to really, really hurt their chances. Yeah, I think it will too. It definitely will. I think what we should do is just make it a reunion. Sign Blester and Masterson and call it a day. <laughs> that, honestly, that would probably that's honestly seems like the most realistic option now, though, don't you think, Jesto? Because yeah. you have Cole Hamels saying he doesn't want to come here. No one wants James Shields. I'm assuming that neither does Ben Sherrington, and he's going to cost too much. If you bring John Lester back at the high money that he wants, and you bring him back, Justin Masterson like, is a cheap option. We've talked about this on this show. It's a really cheap option, and he's going to have a back hopefully have a bounce back here and come back and work with Farrell, I, I think it'd be a good idea because then you have John Lester, Buckholz, unfortunately, as your two, but then you have Joe Kelly and Masterson as three, four, in whatever order you want to put them. Uh, potentially, you could even put Joe Kelly or Masterson at two. I, don't, I wouldn't do that right away, but depending on how Buckholz comes out of the shoot, and then have a young guy fill in the fifth start, and then you could skip the fifth start every once in a while, that's even okay because that still gives you an ace. Like the Giants had that ace with a couple guys underneath who are competent of pitching with a decent offense and hopefully you rebuild the bullpen. I'm fine with that. I think that'd be a good rotation. I, I think Masterson would have a pretty good year. I think he'd be excited to come back and show that he was better than maybe he was back then. I I, don't, I think I think that'd be a good move. I like. I've always liked him, 
So I just say call it a Red Sox reunion and see how it works. <laughs> I'm cool with that. Because I'm honestly cool with that because realistically, I think a lot of people are giving are, are forgetting about Joe Kelly, and Joe Kelly was phenomenal. Was so I think he's going to be good. Yeah, we we didn't get a whole year of him this year, and he was pitching well for St. Louis before they shopped him over here to get Lackey. So I think he, he, uh, Charrington did a good job picking him up, but I think he had Joe Kelly in his mind long term for his rotation because Joe Kelly's not that old, so I think he'll fit in really well with this ball club. Yeah, really. Yeah, so he, he's got a good ten years hopefully here if he put, pans out. So I think you 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 got to have some patience with the Red Sox in their pitching. I think right now Lester and Masterson would be the best option for the Red Sox. I think Lester wants to come back, but he's really got to see some effort from the Red Sox. I don't think, obviously, we know Lester never wanted to leave, so I think you're going to have to see some effort. I don't think that's going to happen until after the winter meetings. I believe I saw something earlier that's the case that they're not even going to talk until after the winter meetings. So that'll probably be a January type deal later on in the offseason, right before pitchers and catchers report. Um, you'll, be, you'll probably get strung along with that and a bunch of reports. Um, like I said, Pablo Sandoval, I expect to sign quicker rather than uh, later. But I do have a quick bit of breaking news here, Jess. I just discovered. I don't know if you saw this. It just happened. Um, Michael Kadire hey, signed yeah. with the Mets. I saw that. Uh, I, if I have it in front of me, he's 35, $21 million over two years. He'll get $8.5 million in 2015 and $12.5 million in 2016. So weird enough, they're backloading it. Um, Kadire faced a Monday deadline to accept a 15.3 qualifying offer from the Rockies. He did not. Um, I think the Mets are going in the right direction with this. They feel like they have a team now. Uh, there's also talks of Tulowitzki possibly going with him to the Mets, um, so that potentially sending both of them over there. I know the Mets are really in the play there for um, getting Tulowitzki. Kadir obviously not to give up anything. He was a free agent, so that's a good add for them. Uh, if you get Tulowitzki, that makes them that much better. Putting them on the roster with David Wright, they have some good pitching. I think Kadir is a big step in the right direction for the Mets. Could the Mets actually be good for once? <laughs> they might. They might be. Yeah. Kadir's been a good player his whole career. Oh, I, that's a good move. Yeah, wow, he hit three thirty-two last year. That's impressive. Yeah. We're probably looking at the same exact article, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, hitting three thirty-two last year, only 10 home runs with 31 RBIs, but hitting three thirty-two, any average at all is great for a Mets team, never mind just hitting three thirty-two. So if you can have him come in, hit three thirty-two, then... Potentially, if you can land Tulowitzki, which seems like realistically could happen, if you go and land Tulowitzki, that throws Tulowitzki and David Wright on the same side of the infield. And then you have Kadir coming in, plus some young pitching there, which the Red Sox were targeting, but now it doesn't seem like the Mets are willing to give them up if they're going to go after these big-name guys from the Rockies. And the Rockies seem like they're on the back end of their success, so they're going to probably start chipping. And I think you're going to have to, they're going to have to listen to some offers from Tulowitzki. I like Tulowitzki. I don't know if he's going to come here. I've heard some chops about that, but I think... Right now, um, you're going to see a good push from the Rockies to get Tulowitzki. Uh, a big thing for the Mets now, you're going to have an outfield of Curtis Granderson. Don't forget, he was there last year. kind of forgot about him because the Mets are terrible. But you have Curtis Granderson, uh, Juan Laguerres, and now Kadir out there in the outfield. So I think that's definitely shaping up to be a great outfield for the Mets. Yeah, I, but think, I, I, th- I think we'll come back, have a big, big season. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be... Definitely a great um, a great situation for the Rockies. I think it's going to be a good good situation for them. I, I really think that that helps them in the right direction. As much as I believe the Mets aren't a good team, I definitely think in the next couple of years they could be if they keep building the way they're building. Um, I really I really do like Kadir. He's been a great player for for the Rockies over the years, and I think it's a big thing for them and a great step forward. Um, 
Jess, we're almost out of time here, but I do want to hit on this because last time we were on, we kind of tried to predict what would happen, but we actually have the answer now. Joe Madden um, went to the Cubs, was named the Cubs manager, officially had his press conference, all that stuff. We both called it. <laughs> yeah, we, bo- we both sat here and said it's going to go to the Cubs. I'm really happy I was right. Um, I'm a Cubs fan on the side. I, obviously, there's no reason to hate the Cubs. I think everyone wants the Cubs to win at this point. Um, yeah, right. I think as much as the... I might disagree with the way they handled it and the way they just he just left the Rays and all that stuff. I do think he's a great fit for the Cubs. Theo liked him day one since they, he was with the Red Sox, like we talked about before, and it's a great fit. He came in, typical Joe Madden, uh, jersey, half-unbuttoned, hair, crazy glasses on. After the press conference, he basically said they're a playoff team next year, came in, press conference. At the end of it, offered to buy everyone a shot and a beer, um, which is, he's like, yeah, that's how we do it. Yeah, we're going to buy, I want to buy, first round's on me, let's celebrate. Um, you can take that two ways. You can say, hey, we're celebrating being bad because you want to forget about it and drink, or you can celebrate as a good thing. Um, I've heard some radio commentators in the area talk about it being a bad thing, and you would, t- you would buy everyone champagne, but I think that's a little too much of a precursor to buy everyone around a champagne just yet. Um, what do you, I know you liked it, I know we called it, but I just kind of want you to reiterate your thoughts and wh- if you think it's, why you think it's good, really, just. Well, I hate it, first of all, just because it happened how I said that it shouldn't happen. Just to say, all right, hey, manager, you've been here one year, but you can you can go leave now or sign this guy. I hate how – I hate – I just don't like that, and I made that quite clear on the last show. So I don't like how I did it, but we knew it was going to happen that way because there was really no other way it would happen probably. So I think it's a good move. I think it's definitely a good move. They need They need somebody to get them excited to win their first championship in 106 years. It's a long time. So I think definitely a good move, and we called it. It made sense. He's a good fit there. So I'm not surprised at all. I just wish it didn't have to happen how it happened, but that's how it works. So Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate. Um, I, I was kind of with you on that, Nate. I didn't really, I really wasn't a fan of the whole just being able to opt out. Obviously, it was put in his, it was put in his um, contract that he was able to opt out. I don't believe the Rays thought he was going to opt out, though. I think they just did it as a way of getting him there, and I um, I just don't think that – I think they were just as surprised as everybody else was the fact that he did opt out. Um, either way, he's obviously the manager of the Cubs. Now I'm intrigued to see where they go in 2015. Um, I want to get your opinion on one thing. Yeah. Who do you think is going to be the next Rays manager? I have no idea. I'm just curious to see what you think. Oh, I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't even have a bank of names in my head because there's so many – it was so last minute. I think they put out a list of names somewhere, but I don't have it in front of me. They did. Um, I know Kevin Cash was on it. <laughs> yeah, they, they have a really short list of names. It's like not a short list, but like they're not really good names on that list. Yeah. It's definitely going to be a younger guy with a little less experience, that's for sure, I think. I got, it. I got the list here. Um, All right, go for Manny it. Manny Acta, that could be good. Yep. Uh, Kevin Cash, Craig Council, Doug Glanville, Raul Abanez, Barry Larkin, Dave Martinez, Charlie Montoyo, Don Wakamatsu, and Ron Wotus. Does Barry Larkin have managerial experience? I don't think so. Didn't he just play and then become a broadcaster? That's what I thought. <laughs> okay, so that, that's just a long shot in the dark. Raul Benyez came up with um, the Twins, too, I believe. He was in the race for that one. Um, I, I, he's a good fit. Cash, I guess Cash, I don't even know. I, honestly, I, I don't know enough about any of those guys, really. Most of them like just quit playing, I feel like. That's what I'm saying. A lot of those guys are young. That's what I'm saying. Like They're going to go in a really young direction because they clearly aren't going to be good. Um, I feel bad for uh, like Molina and all the guys on that team who are kind of good, like Will Myers. He's a young guy, but he's good, and obviously you feel bad for those guys. So it's kind of tough, but they're not going to be good next year. There's no way. Yeah, it's weird. They're, their candidates are really strange. 
Yeah, it's a weird list. That's what I thought the same thing when I read it. I was like, this is a weird list to have. Yeah, maybe Manny Acta. He has management experience, so maybe they maybe will get him. Yeah, how many years? Like two? Yeah, two or three. <laughs> yeah, it's it's around. It's not good either way. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be weird. I'm really interested it's gonna to be. Oh, they get. Yeah, it's gonna be weird not seeing Joe Madden as much as we're used to seeing him. It's being in the National League in Chicago. I don't even know if we play the Cubs next year. Who knows? But um, I see his face around everything though. He's always everywhere. Oh yeah, he make, he makes his he'll, he'll be on MLB Network for something. <laughs> yeah. um, he always is. But uh, real quick before we do believe, I, as as crazy as that is, I do want to just real quick because it's a Rod. Um, <laughs> he he came out and finally admitted that he did take steroids. Finally, I, I mean we all knew it, but he finally admitted it. Um, he apparently he got some blood work done in a bathroom somewhere, according to the article that I read. Um, just. Thoughts on that? I don't even want to expand. Just thoughts. He's just an idiot. I. He really is. He's. Well, if you're gonna come out and say he did steroids now, what the heck is the point of lying about it for the past couple of years? Like, what is the point? I do not get it. I don't understand why these people do that. You're gonna get caught eventually. You're gonna admit it eventually. He's just an idiot. He's completely ruined everything he ever had with anything. Everyone's just gonna hate his guts if he plays, which he shouldn't, because that's idiotic. He should just go hide somewhere. If he plays, everyone's just going to boo the heck out of him. He's just completely ruined everything he ever had. And everyone, who who is going to like this guy now? Nobody. Absolutely no, the nobody. Sad, the sad part is he got paid last year for sitting out, <laughs> I believe. Um, and he's owed a lot of money for this year. And I just looked it up again. It, Jess, it was a nightclub bathroom that he <laughs> got blood drawn and had blood work done in. So uh, he's an idiot. Um, but on the A-Rod note, <laughs> basically. That. Yeah, on the A-Rod note, that's it. We're, we're done. I'm going to end on A-Rod because that's, I think that's all I can talk about now for baseball. Um, before I leave, though, fans, don't forget about Sionis uh, fans' e-blast. You get for semi-regular updates and breaking news from Sionis Radio. Look no further than the Sionis fans' e-blast. Text on board to 22828 for free coverage. Delivered directly to your inbox or go to www.sionisradio.com backslash team feed, and you can choose your team coverage there as well. It's a great service. We love it. I use it sometimes. It's great good to use um that being said another week in the books of red sox beat we had a lot to talk about unfortunately of course we're not joined by anybody this week but jess and i handled our own we had a lot to talk about big panda talk as well in the next coming days uh jess i'm glad you could come on again we'll definitely have to get you back on a regular basis especially if nate keeps bailing on me um, i won't fail <laughs> yeah uh, yeah definitely uh so either way it was a good week this week with jess uh we'll be back again next week until then enjoy mlb hot stove for what it is enjoy uh the GM meetings this week and enjoy some rumors about Pablo Sandoval and all of baseball and you can obviously tune to CNS Radio for all your Red Sox coverage anything news MLB happening we'll be get up there for written coverage as well until then for Jess Thomas I'm Jared Skelly enjoy your baseball news this week and we'll talk to you next week